This is Hiroyuki Iwatsuki, and you are listening to Pixelated Audio. Right, and welcome back to the bi-weekly video game music and retro gaming podcast, Pixelated Audio. I'm Brian, this is James, and today we're going to be playing music and talking about Mitsume ga Toru for the Nintendo Famicom. It's such a cool little title that I was really excited to add this game to my beat list. Yeah, you just uh, beat it, what, last week? Yeah. And I beat it last night Yeah. in preparation for this episode, and it's it's a very fun little game. Uh, the gameplay's simple, it's very accessible, and I didn't really find it frustrating at no. all. There's a lot of small details that Natsume put into the game, and uh, I think because of that, it feels very polished and totally enjoyable. Oh yeah, very polished, and it has some really cool gameplay mechanics that help it stand out from your standard like NES platformer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely love the platforming. Honestly, the soundtrack is awesome and totally fits, so it's going to be a lot of fun to go through this together. Oh yeah. So the track that brought us in was called Introduction, composed by Hiroyuki Iwatsuki. This is a, a man, it almost got like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. A little bit. Yeah, kind of thing going on. Um, very theme sounding. Yeah. You know, it's like an anime theme. Uh, really fits that the whole action sequence. Like you can imagine this really cool cutscene playing uh, yeah. during it. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, cool. in, in the beginning of this track, it feels like an introduction because there's those kind of scale breakdowns that it shows like the range that you're going to be working in. And then it gets real fast paced and heroic. And you get those blaster sounds in there to kind of you know make the game feel a little bit more frantic than it probably actually is but uh i I just really like this track a lot yeah i think that what kind of stood out to me in this one was just the dun 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 Mm -hmm. like i was expecting lyrics yeah i I really needed that uh but no just a really cool track all together very fun game and uh it's going to be cool to kind of go through this because the soundtrack has got some really interesting pieces uh, for, you know, a standard action game. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. So let's talk about the game a little bit. All right, so Mitsume ga Toru is a 2D side-scrolling action platformer that was developed by Natsume and published by Tommy in Japan for the Famicom in 1992. And that's actually pretty late in the NES life cycle. Yeah, it's towards the end. It's getting up there. Yeah. So Tommy, we don't really need to say too much about. They were, or still are, one of the largest children's toy and entertainment merchandise companies in Japan. Kind of like a Japanese Fisher-Price. Or Mattel, Hasbro, one of those, yeah. And they published quite a few video games that typically had existing licenses 
licenses behind them, like Monopoly. Uh, there was Naruto and mm-hmm. some of the Disney titles. Now, Natsume, on the other hand, is a rock solid company that's produced a ton of great titles from the NES era, moving all the way through to the Xbox 360. Now, we've previously talked about the company back when we did our Shadow of the Ninja focus for episode 37, right, right. but let's retouch on some of their key points because they have a lot going on. Yeah, so it's it's kind of tricky. I was kind of looking at the company history. And so the way things stand today, there's basically two companies. There's Natsume Atari and Natsume Inc. that were essentially a single company, but then kind of split apart. It's a bit confusing, but Natsume was originally founded in 1987 and then created an American division in 1988 called Natsume Inc. And uh, then in 1995, the American branch split off into its own company, keeping the name Natsume. So uh, the Japanese Natsume and then the American Natsume. So it's getting a little confusing already. (laughs) Yeah, no longer related, two separate companies. And then jump ahead to 2013. Natsume Japan merges with Atari, creating Natsume Atari. And Natsume Inc., the American company, creates Natsume Inc. in Japan. (laughs) It's kind of funny. So they've kind of gone back to Japan. So there's two separate Natsume companies, Natsume Atari and Natsume Inc. Right. And they both have offices in Japan, and then Natsume Atari only has the Japanese office. Right. Very interesting. Yeah, so however, when they were together as one company, they did quite a few titles along with Mitsume Gatoru. Yeah, there was Shoujin Sentai Jetman, Power Blade 1 and 2, Shatterhand, Abadox, Chaos World, Scat, and Shadow of the Ninja, all for the NES and Famicom. Right. Then there's Ninja Gaiden Shadow, Spanky's Quest, and Tailgater for the Game Boy. That's a personal favorite of yours. Yeah, yeah. I am a big fan of Tailgater now and uh, have actually been thinking about doing speed running on it maybe trying to get through it quickly as possible. Well, so. you're getting up there, right? Yeah. In the I, times. I can get under an hour now, so. Yeah. So it's I'm pretty, pretty excited. <laughs> it's pretty fun. I started watching you play uh, doing your your run on it and I was like, eh, game looks okay. And then like towards like, I don't know, maybe like 30 minutes in, I was like, dude, James, go, go, go. And I was getting all like psyched about it. Yeah. And, it so. starts getting more complex. And it's funny because we only found this episode because of tailgater we started looking into the the sound team on tailgater and decided whoa like mitsume gaturo is awesome yeah yeah so uh definitely caught us off guard i didn't really know about this game yeah very cool and they have some other really big games for the super nintendo like pocky and rocky one and two mighty Morphin power rangers and ninja warriors yep and then after they split there's like a hundred or so more titles between the two companies man i just it's such an odd thing that they you know, they were one company, they did all this amazing work and they split up. And I don't think they're like bitter or anything. I right. think it's just how the politics of company business go. I don't know. Well, and we know that the American market is very different from the Japanese market. So maybe they felt it was just best to split it. And then they decided, the American company decided, hey, we want to get our toes back in Japan. Yeah. So let's make a Japanese branch. Well, and what's funny is that Natsume Atari will ask Natsume Inc. to publish some of the titles worldwide. Mm-hmm. So it's like they're still working together, which is, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's another one of those like just for odd tax reasons or something like that. I, I totally agree with you. It totally could be that. Anyways, let's get into our, uh, well, our second track of the day. This is from stage one, one and also plays during stage two, one.
right, so you just heard stage 1-1 slash 2-1, composed by Hiroyuki Iwatsuki for Mitsume Gatoru for the Nintendo Famicom. It's got a really action mm-hmm. vibe to it. It's very bright, cheerful, even kind of innocent. I like that uh, it has like a nice kind of steady pace. You know, you're just learning the controls. You're kind right. of moving forward. It's a little bit uh, easy, you know, in the first level. So it's uh, kind of gets you into the, the swing of things in a very um, passive kind of sound. I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, this first level is pretty fun. It fits It fits with the, the sound, with the look. It's very bright, like you said, and, and kind of um, happy and fun. Uh, it's right off the bat, you feel like the game is going to be really cool. And yeah, it's going to like hold your hand a little bit or something. Yeah, and they have like an auto-scroller, and there's even some cute puppies that pop up into the game. <laughs> right, right, shoot right. down. But it's a great track. I really like the, the energy that this one has. Yeah, I think the bass, that significant, you know, like different roles and stuff mm-hmm. is just off the hook cool also i kind of want to bring up the echo in this track and mm-hmm. it reminds me a lot of ikumizutani's stuff in shadow the ninja right and you know other stuff that he did and this is because the game is using uh hiro yuki Iwatsuki. he used the driver that uh was created by ikumizutani and so there's some really cool echoing effects that uh sound very very similar to what we've heard in shadow of the ninja and stuff like that because uh i'm sure it's just recycling you know the same driver routines and stuff so um there's this one part in here let me see if i can find it do you want to listen to it oh yeah to give you an idea of what i'm talking about here all right so this is just channel one Listen carefully for that echo. You can you can just barely hear. It. It's very yeah. subtle, and I like that. But watch if if we slow it down, you can oh. kind of hear it a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. You see that yeah. how it re-triggers. changing the speed even gives it a much more somber feel (laughs) (laughs) that's cool track uh hiroyuki watsuki he is just an awesome guy Mm -hmm. he's just he's just got a lot of awesome compositions that he's done for natsume and we're really fortunate because we're going to be able to talk to him a little bit later on in the show yeah we've been so lucky to have some amazing composers on and he is definitely someone we've been excited to talk to yeah I'm, i'm excited so let's talk about him a little bit uh he's a japanese composer and sound designer from nagoya and uh, he's best known for his work at Natsume. Uh, he went under the aliases Don or Iwadon or Nanten Iwatsuki. Not sure where those names came up. <laughs> you know, just that's, you know, he's gone under those aliases at some point. Uh, so he's done a few here. Uh, I'm just going to read off some of the, the more well-known titles. He's done Chaos World, uh, Spanky's Quest, Chojin Sentai Jetman, Ninja Gaiden Shadow, Pocky and Rocky, uh, Pocky and Rocky 2. He also did... Ninja Warriors Again, Wild Guns, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, The Fighting Edition, uh, Power Rangers Zeo, Omega 5, or I think that was the Xbox 360. Maybe, yeah. And then he did some contributions to Half Minute Hero. Uh, and then also he's doing Wild Guns Reloaded. Uh, yeah. Which is coming, which I think just came out last year. Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's exciting to see these 
these games get remade and remastered and and they still use the original guys. That's cool. Yeah. And then he also did sound effects. He did sound effects for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, uh, Shatterhand. Uh, Ikumizutani did the, you know, obviously the composition. Then mm -hmm. he did the sound effects. And then he did the sound effects for Tailgater. Yeah. Your game. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you want to get into another track? Yeah. I think next up we have stage one, two slash five, one. That was stage one two that also plays during stage five one composed by Hiroyuki Iwatsuki for Mitsume Gatoru on the Nintendo Famicom. This is an awesome track. I really personally like this one quite a bit. Oh, this is this is jam, dude. Yeah, I love that bass, very fat and rounded. Mm -hmm. um, we'll have to. I think we're gonna have to listen to that. You want to listen to that? Real quick? Oh yeah. Yeah. Didn't even get a few seconds in. We already <laughs> got to listen to that. Yep. So cool. That's cool. Yeah, it's got a nice little beat to it, and it's you know it's it really adds to the track. Because I was going to mention, I love what's going on in the background of this track. Mm -hmm. I love how it's a little less happy. I did like the happy track a lot. It was bright and fun, but this one has a little more urgency, this a little like bit more getting, danger. Yeah, you're getting into it a yeah. little more. Yeah. Well, I think you find out that like that first level is not too bad, but this one starts getting really complex. Like it's, it starts really getting a little harder in this section, um, and I like that the 
the song kind of reflected that you're kind of underground and it's mm-hmm. a little bit darker so it makes sense to make it a little less happy sounding yeah um, but we've, it was just super cool we've talked about the nes sound hardware mm-hmm. many times i don't think we need to really get into it but uh basically you got two channels for pulse waves uh four different duty settings you got your hardware sweep control the third channel, the one we were just listening to with that awesome bass, is the mm-hmm. triangle channel. It's either on or off. There's no volume settings, anything like that. You got your fourth uh, channel for noise generation. So you get your drums and all that awesome stuff. And then the fifth channel is for DPCM, which is low quality DMC samples. And uh, we're actually not hearing any of the DCPM mm-hmm. in this soundtrack. This is really just using the simple NES. And I think that's what makes it so interesting unique is it's really not trying to do any major creativity it's really based on the rhythm and the melody to kind of lead everything through it doesn't matter how simple right uh you know iwatsuki is you know going with hardware here it's really just a solid soundtrack yeah and i think that's one reason why the nes uh and famicom tends to be it's music people really love that it's you know it's usually on the simpler side compared to some of the other uh, consoles that had you know much more robust chips and stuff like that but it's so much more memorable and maybe because this one was so late in the life cycle they figured you know less is more let's you know really do what we need to do and this is a really good soundtrack because of it yeah and you can pick out an nes soundtrack like a mile away yeah it's very very obvious tones you know unless it's like kodaka or something like that where he gets just that crunchy dpcm bass yeah he can trick you a little bit yeah all right so let's talk about Mitsume ga Toru a little bit. There's a story behind it because right. this is actually based on a manga and anime. I wonder, do you have to have previous knowledge of the manga to understand this game? There's not really a whole lot of story to the game, so not really, but I think understanding where this game came from gives you a little bit more insight into the different characters and kind of what's going on um, in, like, the, I guess, the subtext of the, the game. Right. So. You looked all this up, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm hoping so because I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I really like the game. So, I, and when I found out that it was based on a manga and an anime, mm-hmm. I wanted to know more because obviously that's going to be very story driven and the game right. has, like, no cutscenes, no, basically. I so. asked my wife and she actually read this when she was a kid. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So she's, She's like very familiar with it. So I was like, okay, well, maybe you can teach me a few things. She's like, oh, this doesn't seem right when she was, she was watching me play the game. And I was like, I don't know. Yeah. Once I learned a little bit more about it, I was a little bit, it actually made me a little bit more confused about the, the <laughs> game or uh, made some things kind of stand out a little bit. But uh, yeah. so this game actually comes from a romance manga called The Three-Eyed One. Right, right. Um, it was originally a weekly shonen magazine starting in July of 1974 all the way through March 1978, but was later published in 13 standalone books by Kodansha. The story is about Hosuke Shiraku, known as the Evil Prince, and the heir to the long-lost three-eyed civilization. Yeah, so just to put this in context here... They all have three eyes. Yeah. So well, he does. Yeah. Well, so Hosuke, the main character of this game, has, you know, his normal two eyes, and then he's got a third eye right, right on the center. So Mitsume in Japanese is third eye. Oh, okay. That makes yeah. sense then. I figured yeah. that that had to do with something. <laughs> I didn't explain that earlier to you. Sorry. Yeah, no, I I figured it had to do with something like that. And then when I saw that the the manga was called The Three-Eyed One, I figured, okay, that's probably what Mitsume and stuff like that it means. So, but yeah, a lot of people have said he looks like Curlin from Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, I can see that. He's a little short guy, a little short bald guy. Curlin? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But uh, apparently when that third eye opens, he can release terrible mystical energy and actually turns him into an evil sorcerer that's bent on conquest, which that's I did sweet, not expect. That sweet little boy. <laughs> yeah, because in the game, he seems very happy and, and right. you know, like he's on a mission. And to find out that when he opens that eye, he's evil. And when it's open, it allows him to summon the red condor or the Akai condor, which is a spear that he can use as a weapon. And then he can also summon demons, which I didn't know either. Weird. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, so in an effort to keep himself from being evil, he wears a bandage to cover that third eye. And while the bandage is on, he actually doesn't even know that he's evil. He's just like some happy goofball kid. And then when that bandage comes off, he's like really mean. It's like the Hulk, except instead of yeah. you know, turning into the Hulk, he's just like got a, a third cute little eye. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, and then to make this even more confusing when I was looking into it is that um, this character actually is the main villain in the Astro Boy Omega Factor game on the Game Boy Advance. So what? Really? Yeah. Wow. So he's not only the main character in this game, and not only is he possibly evil, um, he is a main villain in another game. So the, Weird. the Astro Boy franchise and a whole bunch of other characters were made by Osamu Tezuka and they were part of what they called the star system which is basically a list of characters that he's created that were reused in different ways and different stories so in one story you might be a good guy and the next story that same character might be a bad guy that's that's cool that's... or two characters might be related and then in the next one they're huh. like not related um and they kind of compared this to a director reusing the same actor over and over like okay I say see. like Tim Burton using Johnny Depp or like Christopher Nolan using michael kane and like everything right right that makes sense it's weird to think of 2d fictional characters being reused like they're actors maybe he could only draw a few different guys and he's (laughs) he's like i I got this i got i made these guys and i'm not going to do any more yeah so i mean when i found out that he was a main villain in the astro boy game now i want to play the astro boy game just Just to see him him again yeah (laughs) it's kind of sad yeah um yeah all right so let's get into another track and then uh, we'll actually talk about how the manga, what correlates to this game. Right. All right, so this is stage 2-2, and it also plays during stage 4-2, composed by Hiroyuki Iwatsuki for Mitsume Gatoru on the Nintendo Famicom.
That was Stage 22-42, composed by Hiroyuki Iwatsuki for Mitsume Gatoru for the Nintendo Famicom. This is my favorite track of the game. It's a really so good, good one. It's very, you know, it's got this shuffle, swing kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh, love the high end, but that, that rhythm and bass is so clean, so good. Just makes you want to tap your feet. Yeah, it's got love a little it. uh, attitude and kind of funk to it a yeah. little bit. And uh, and to me, it made me feel like, okay, the first the first level is bright and fun. You don't know what you're getting into. The second one, maybe you are getting yourself in a little bit of trouble. But this one, now you're kind of getting the hang of things. Like you've got you know, some moves down. You're getting the hang of the, the way the game works. And it kind of gives you that feeling. Right. And I like that a lot. Yeah, I love that. Oh, dude, it's so good. And then... I also want to bring out the uh, the echoing again. I think mm-hmm. this is another good example. You know, it's so subtle, but it adds so much characteristic and um, dynamic feeling to the track. Yeah. And so, uh, do you want to listen to that real quick? Yeah. We'll just do channel one again because I think they're echoing on both channel one and two. Uh, but we'll just listen to one real quick. Hang on. Yeah, it's super awesome. So, it's funny how like just little touches, some of the things that can go unnoticed will really be noticeable if they're not there. Like this right. it really adds a lot to the track. It makes it feel more full, more dynamic. It gives it just this entirely different feeling. It's it's hard to hear. So it, do you want to slow it down real quick? Just yeah. maybe it's a, paints a little better picture if we, we slow it down what's going on here. Same channel. You hear that bump? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so it's a lot more clear. Yeah. There, yeah. It's yeah, it's just so cool. I like it so much. And I think that's what made this soundtrack just seem so stellar. Yeah, it's fun. It's just a fun soundtrack. You just listen to it and just feel good and mm-hmm. get some you know, cool vibes from and uh, short, yeah. you know, so this episode is probably not going to be too long because there's not a ton of tracks. Right. Uh, we're going to zip through them pretty quick here, but let's talk about the gameplay. Let's talk about this game a little bit. So um, why don't you tell us about the story and then we'll kind of jump into how it works. Yeah. And there are some things that translated over and there were some things that didn't that actually make it confusing. So, <laughs> um, so in this game, you do play as Hosuke, the three-eyed little bald guy from the manga, and you're hunting down Prince Godaru, who is also a three-eyed guy who has destroyed part of the city and stole Wado Chiyoko, your female friend from the manga. So this is a character from the manga. Right. Um, some people have her listed in the game as your girlfriend, but it's not really clear when I was researching the manga because in the manga, she's said to be a human that's drawn to your evil charisma that is one of the few people that Hosuke trusts. So Mm. she's not really called your girlfriend, but it's entirely possible that with that um, star system that we talked about, that some things have been reworked to where maybe she is your girlfriend. Maybe Hosuke's not quite evil in this game. Right, right. Um, You know, with that three-eyed Prince Godaru in the manga, his entire three-eyed race is gone. So who is this guy? You know, are they really gone? Stuff like that. (laughs) So there's some confusing aspects that the game raises but you know like i said with that star system it's entirely possible that they kind of did some shuffling around to make the game feel fun and it's entirely possible that it's just 
uh, implied in the manga. You know what I mean? Right. Like, there's some kind of love interest going on, and they make it apparent how the characters interact with each other rather than their words. So right. it may entirely be directly ported over from that. But um, the game, uh, simple controls, you can jump and shoot, but they, they feel tight and well implemented. Oh, yeah. Super tight and fun. Really good. I think that was one of the aspects where we, we talked about that it didn't make the game feel frustrating at all because yeah. it played so well. Yeah. And you can summon something called the Akai Condor, which you were talking about earlier, which looks like this spear. And you can basically you have to kind of, you know, Mega Man power shot it. Right. Uh, you throw it out. And it kind of boomerangs back at you and you can jump on it and use that as a platform in the game. Right. It's yeah. Totally awesome. That's why one of my favorite parts about the whole thing. And while they don't really use it a lot, you do have to use it in some areas to right. progress. Like there's certain parts you cannot make it on your own and um, you, getting used to it's pretty fun. You can jump on it and you can actually throw it a second time if you're good enough. Uh, it's, right. it's really hard, but it's fun. Right. And it, I think you can upgrade it and it can do damage mm -hmm. to enemies as well. So you can use it in a myriad of different ways. But just that extra platforming element made the game so much more fun. Like yeah. it had something like I didn't need to use it all the time, but I typically would see something. I'm like, uh, I'm just going to try here. Yeah. You know, and it was fun. I liked it. Oh, yeah. I mean, and when I've seen people that are extremely skilled at this game playing it, it is really amazing to see what they can use that spear to do. Um, we were good enough to beat it. But I mean, some of the stuff that people have done with this game is pretty insane. Well, there's a lot of people running the game recently. Right. And uh, we'll talk more about that later. But uh, it's it's totally fun. We recommend you guys play it. The game just works. Yeah, I think it's just totally awesome. It's not a super long game either. There's only five levels, each with you know different themes and bosses like you would expect. There's you know city streets, a jungle, ancient catacombs, abandoned ship, and a fortress where you fight the the final boss. Yeah, and it has a few different forms. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, there's like a boss rush kind of. Uh, yeah, yeah, end. towards the end. Uh, the enemies and bosses are really interesting and also have a lot of diversity. And oh, yeah. I think that's what gives me... Uh, it, it makes it more interesting to see what's going to be at the end. If it's the same kind of like, you know, no offense to Mega Man fans, but like <laughs> yeah. you got the same bosses kind of over and over. Yeah. Uh, just with a different power-up. You know, it, it takes a little bit away. This uh, is completely different. They yeah. have nothing in common. Yeah, and that and was so, so refreshing to see that every boss was a different kind of strategy, different kind of, you know weapons that they used it was every level felt completely unique it was really cool right and some of the bosses are very very challenging but they all have that you know typical figure out the strategy mm -hmm. figure out the timing and then they become like super simple yeah and you know like i was saying before with people that are super skilled some of these bosses ended up looking like a joke with the way that some <laughs> people would do it and i tried doing it and it i was just, like this is actually really hard so they made it look really easy yeah um, another aspect for this game that's really neat that I didn't expect when I was first getting ready to play it is that when you shoot enemies, you can get um, coins and then you can use those coins at shops, which allow you to buy different tools and weapons like power ups for like a boomerang or like laser beams or like a triple shot, which makes the game a little easier. Yeah, um, I like that. And you can also recharge your health. Yes, yeah, so you can buy health helpful. and lives to keep you from getting that game over. Mm -hmm. But to go back to the coins real quick, they had a neat feature where you could shoot the coins with your blast. And if you did it quick enough, the coins would continue to get larger and larger until you collected them. But there was a time limit that they would stay on there. So if you just kept shooting them, they would eventually disappear. Right. Um, and then that would allow you to have more money for the shop. So right. there was neat little hacks in the game that were built for you. And to be clear, you had to juggle the coin yeah. so the the coin when you kill an enemy a coin will kind of shoot up in the air and then fall and touch the ground you had to shoot the coin mid-air mm -hmm. and keep 
hitting it, you know, every time you hit it, it bounced back up in the air and you have to keep doing that. And eventually the coin will grow and grow and grow. And then when it maxes out at like what, 5,000 points yeah. or something like that, you have to grab it. Otherwise it disappears. Yeah. Pretty now, cool. Did you find any of the, uh, invisible chickens that are running around? I the game? didn't. Some people, I remember some people talking about that. There was a few any. places. I found a couple and there's like a, there, you would go to the area and there'd be nothing there and you start shooting and you'd see this like chicken, this like, like really dumb looking chicken, like that's your size. It's as big as you. And it would like wiggle and like float away and then coins would start popping out of it. No, I did see that. Okay. That was a chicken. I had no idea. Yeah. It was a chicken. It was, and okay. it would make enemies around you disappear, which was kind of useful, but you would get a lot of money from oh, that's them. Funny. Uh, and it was just really weird and odd. I don't know if that's something from the manga or not, but uh, <laughs> it was an, it was an interesting thing that would make you uh, search platforms that it's like, why would I go up there? There's nothing up there that maybe there was a chicken. You get a lot of money from it. Wow. Never even thought of that. Uh, I did come across this by accident though. So talking about the game, the mechanics, what would you compare this to for maybe something that's, you know, more accessible to the Western audience back in the nineties, obviously. I, I, I got a little bit of a mega man, like jumping type thing from it, but much yeah, bigger yeah. sprites. Um, it has a more Cuneo style graphics, yeah. you know, style sprite style to it. I think. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they do put a lot of emphasis on the platforming. And I don't know, the, the spear, that really stood out to me as something really unique, even though you don't use it a lot. Um, but the, the shooting is very simple. Like yeah, you, you would expect it's you know pretty rapid fire and you can upgrade it. So it fits in, it actually feels a lot like a lot of other games. Right. Uh, I can't really put my finger on one where like... I'd say it almost reminds me of like, if you swapped out Hoski's Sprite with like Chip and Dale... Rescue okay, Rangers yeah. has that platforming element to it, but at the same time, maybe a little more on the Mega Man side. Mm -hmm. But personally, I think it plays better than most Mega Man games. Yeah, I uh, enjoyed it quite a bit, and I'm yeah. I'm not very good at Mega Man, so uh, they are very different, so it's hard to compare. But yeah, uh, I'd say that uh, you know on on the platforming side, I think mm -hmm. it's just honed in really, really well. Natsume did an excellent job. Yeah, and I would say um, graphically, it does remind me a little bit of Mega Man with the clean graphics. There's mm -hmm. not a lot of over texture um i mean they'll leave the sky kind of one color without like littering it with clouds and and stuff like that where um, they use like a lot of really big areas of colors so it's simple and clean but it's very easily readable i think it feels like the music where it's it's you know um deceptively simple and right, right. um it allows it to have its max impact impact on you yeah i feel like the graphics are pretty good um mm -hmm. very colorful uh the character has a lot of detail to him uh like you said he's you know giant sprite but uh it also has kind of like a mirrors almost like an anime kind of sprite yeah so i, I do like that kind of the black outline and the uh very kind of uh, big eye three eyes and mm -hmm. uh you know broad you know shoulders even though he's a little tiny guy um, I Which think he wasn't little and tiny just because of the game. He's actually really tiny in the in manga. The manga too. Yeah, I did watch the anime, like just like one episode, just oh, okay. to kind of get an idea. Um, but yeah, it was probably one of those games that was made when the programmers had the ability to harness like the full power of the mm -hmm. NES. I mean, this is you know quite late 1992, so they had really figured out how to maximize the system's hardware and use it to their benefit. I think. For this yeah. Game. And I mean, pretty much everyone I've talked to that's played this game has really enjoyed it. So I think the fact that it was a licensed manga anime franchise that that's, you know, obviously why it didn't come here. Yeah. They could have reskinned it and called it, you know, Mario brothers four. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, we've got a few more tracks to play. Let's play uh, stage three, one, which is also during four, one. And we'll be right back.
Alright, you just heard stage 3-1 slash 4-1, composed by Hiroyuki Iwatsuki. Now, this goes back to the kind of cheerful, happy, yeah. lively... It's a cool track. I like yeah, it. it's very bubbly and, and um, it's in a lot more of the higher range. There's less like yeah. bass and stuff like that. It's a lot more um, you know, bells and you know high high tones, which are it kind of adds to that fun feeling. I feel like a lot of people are like higher notes make you happier, and lower deep notes are, you know are more sad sounding. And also the fact just that it's a slower paced song. You yeah. know, it's like the melodies kind of just taking its time going through all the steps i do like it how and i think it's the second square wave channel that's like da 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 and then they go in harmony together it's really pretty i like that yeah it's very well designed it's it is a little bit of a simpler more laid-back track but it still has nice little touches here and there and you know just a cool organization to it yeah do you remember what stage three was uh, I don't know if that's the one that has like the spikes all over the ceiling. I'm not oh, quite, it might be. I'm not quite sure. Um, Should I have not have asked you that? <laughs> well, all it's right. been about a week or so since I played it. So. <laughs> all right. So uh, let's move on to the next track. Uh, what do we got? We have stage three, two. was from stage 3-2 composed by Hiroyuki Iwatsuki for Mitsume Ga Toru on the Famicom. I thought this was uh, a, a pretty cool track. It's not it's not as happy and fun as the last one we just played, so it's it a, would be the follow-up level r- to that. Right. It's a funny dynamic between the uh, I think we played 1-1-1-2 and it had the same kind of feel, right? Mm-hmm. It was a lot more cheerful in that, that first part of the first stage and then the second part it got a little more dark and a little more mm-hmm. uh ambitious you know? yeah maybe you're like excited oh i got to stage three one yay i got past all the two stages and then by stage three two you're like oh no this is so hard yeah but, um i like that it was a little less chirpy a little bit more mystical and darker and mm-hmm. for some reason it gave me the feeling of something like um castle of illusion where it's like it's not really meant to be like horrific and scary and dark, right. but it's not happy and fun. Like it, it's like it's, Mickey running around in a dark, scary castle, but it's it's still like kid friendly. It's like trickery or something. Right, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I do really like um, the echo when oh, it yeah. goes really high like that. It goes 
and then you can really hear it trailing off that mm-hmm. yeah this song definitely had a lot of uh, dynamic overlap with notes and things in the background going on and playing off the foreground which was really cool that i think gave it that kind of like echoey dark mystical feel that i thought it had right maybe we can uh, ask iwatsuki later on about the the echo and mm-hmm. how that driver uh made use of it i think that'd be an interesting question so moving on I kind of want to mention that Mitsume Gatoru wasn't like a Famicom exclusive. Now, this game was. Right. And uh, its form was. But Mitsume Gatoru actually had uh, an appearance a few years earlier on the MSX. So three years prior, in 1989, to the NES game, a totally different game by Natsume called Mitsume Gatoru, The Three-Eyed One Comes Here, was released for the MSX-1 and also was compatible with the MSX-2. Now, this is a completely different game from yeah. its NES counterparts. It's also a side-scrolling action game, but with some different adventure elements kind of added in. Like certain items you need to collect and hand over to different NPCs. and That, that whole adventure kind of aspect kind of reminds me of um, like Fasanadu or you know, some, something right. along those lines, right? Now, from what I've read in some Japanese review sites, uh, the game plays a lot better if you've read the manga because I guess it ties in a lot with those those characters in that universe. Oh, okay. But since I haven't read it, I was like pretty confused. I was like, I don't know. Like, you haven't introduced this character. Maybe it says something in the manual. I don't know. Right. Um. But uh, I asked I asked my wife about it because she she knew the manga, and I was like, so. Uh, like, do you remember this character? Do you remember this character? She's like, I don't. None that was of that. A long time yeah, ago. <laughs> it was like, you know, what, twenty five years ago? She read him or something. So, um, yeah. But that being said, uh, it took me a while to figure out, and I um kind of started playing around with it, and I realized this is a really well put together game for the MSX. Okay, I guess I needed to spend more time with it because I was like, well, you, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, don't want to play this anymore. <laughs> we we played it together a little bit and you couldn't yeah. figure out the uh the shooting mechanisms stuff like that. Uh, it's all done with the keyboard. There's no joystick or anything like yeah, that. The controller. But, uh, but I I thought it was actually a pretty well put together game. I got to like level 2 and I was like, wow, okay, I see the appeal. You just have to I think you have to get past that first hurdle right. of not knowing what you're doing and then it uh ends up being pretty cool, but the music is kind of neat, though. So it's only PSG, but it's composed by Mamoru Ishimoda, which is a name that might ring a bell because he was a subcontractor for Makano Associates and helped with Alicia Dragoon and Silphied. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of, we made a full circle there. Yeah, it's so weird that, like, we we did Alicia Dragoon as just a, like, last minute, we decided we really wanted to do it, and then it keeps popping up, and same thing with, like, Tailgater, and just all these different, the games that are just so interconnected, it's pretty neat. Right, now, we're focusing on the NES game, but I think it'd be kind of rad to play one track. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so this is from Stage 1, and again, this is PSG only, but it's it's kind of cool. Let's check it out. Thank you. 
So that was stage one composed by Mamoru Ishimoto for Mitsumega Toru on the MSX. Pretty neat. I mean, we're fans of the MSX, so I wasn't too surprised that the the music's not too bad. I liked it. I was trying to see some Alicia Dragoon references in there, <laughs> but it just didn't work. Um, no, it's a cool track. It's got, you know, it's really chirpy. It's just PSG again, mm-hmm. uh, but it has uh, some really cool qualities to it. That first part, that it's like kind of dissonant. Mm-hmm. And that, when I first heard it, I was like, oh no, this is going to be horrible. Right. But then, you know, it picks up and it's got that yeah. and I thought that I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it has a, it's another example of like organized chaos. Like this track is feels all over the place, but it's definitely by design, which is neat. Yeah. So uh, moving back over to the NES version, I think we didn't really need to spend a whole lot of time right. on the MSX one. Well, uh, I mean, most people don't even know about the NES version, so I'm sure even fewer people <laughs> know about the MSX one. So. Right. I wonder how well it's sold. I didn't really find a whole lot of information yeah. online, so... I actually found out the composer name by watching a video on uh, it's like Japanese YouTube, and I had to watch it all the way to the end to to actually figure that out. But um, yeah, I was kind of curious. And, yeah. And the guy was commentating on on his game, and like I was just playing it, and he sounded like he was having a blast. So I was like, awesome. Okay, well, yeah. at least at least it looks enjoyable, and so. Well, unless it's a case of fake it till you make it, like you <laughs> yeah. you you bring that energy, and then other people will get that energy whether they like it or not. Oh God. It's kind of like our show, dude. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. All right, so let's move back over to an NES track. Uh, this is stage 5-2. Is this the last stage? Yeah, yes. five stages, yeah. Yeah, the last stage. All right, and this is composed by Hiroyuki Iwatsuki. That was stage five two, composed by Hiroyuki Iwatsuki. I uh, really like that. You know, the bass gets really, really crunchy, and you know what? There's echo on that yep. bass. There sure is. Yeah, I was I was trying to pinpoint like, how, why does it sound like so ominous and deep? And it's really because it it echoes its last note over mm-hmm. and over, and so you kind of get this like 
almost drowning sound, which is uh, pretty cool. Yeah, no, and, and once again, this is a track that gets a little bit further away from happy and chirpy and uh right at this point you're in the the final level so that you're you know you're in level five two and it's uh you know the boss uh fortress and it's more dangerous and everything's designed to kill you and i liked how it had that kind of alarm like uh feel like it felt dangerous like something's counting down yeah but, but the way that i saw it was that um like usually in games boss tracks they're they're really heavy and dark and they feel like they're from the boss's perspective like you're gonna die like you're like you're not gonna survive this whereas this was dark and ominous but it was more from like the, the hero's, heroes perspective yeah. like it's it's scary and dangerous but like you can do it and it's like, like a glimmer this, of hope or something yeah, yeah it's yeah, like that me. idea that like when you're a kid you think about oh i want to be the hero and like i get beat up but i keep going type thing and i, I thought this track was definitely a dark track more from like the hero's perspective yeah no i agree that's a good way to put it um now, yeah now i'm thinking like the boss music yeah it does sound like those bosses made their own music yeah it's like that's the boss saying <laughs> i'm gonna kill you that's and eat boss, your soul yeah. and then like you know the rest of the game is like from the hero's perspective i guess yeah so when we were deciding on doing this game there's a weird coincidence that happened yeah all right so we kind of mentioned earlier james was like doing runs of uh tailgater mm -hmm. you're playing it over and over and I was like wondering, like, why are you playing this game over and over? <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe it would be fun to do uh, Tailgater or something that uh, the composer did. And, you know, I was going through it and I was like, well, Ikumizutani, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, Hiroyuki Watsuki, he did the sound effects only. But I was like, okay, well, let me kind of dig through his stuff and mm -hmm. see what he's worked on, you know. Uh, maybe something I would have missed. And, of course, this was one of them. I hadn't heard about this game. So mm -hmm. I was like, hey, James, what do you think about the soundtrack? And you're like, dude, this is awesome. Yeah. And sure enough, we're watching Twitch one right. day. And you're like, oh, dude, I think that game we're listening to is is being run right now. Yeah, because I had listened to the music a little bit. And you had told me, like, you found this track or this this game. You said, oh, this music is awesome. Check it out. And I, I downloaded it and listened to the music. And then I text you. I was like, Brian, is is this game about like a little bald guy with three eyes? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, yeah, it is. And I was like, oh my God, this is so nuts because I'm on Twitch right now and I'm watching some streamers and they're getting ready for an event called the Big 20, which is where like a bunch of NES uh, speedrunners, speed yeah. yeah, they get together and, and the creators of uh, the best of NES, they pick like 20 games that you're going to sit there and speedrun back to back. So it's like one long, yeah. I so think it was over three hours. So it doesn't matter how long it takes you to play one, it's your overall right. speed. So you, yeah. you, you pick the first game, you go through it, and then you move on to the next one, you keep going without stopping. Mm -hmm. And uh, this game was in there. It was in the list, right, and I was right. like, "Oh wow, this is so much." So was Shojin Sentai Jetman, which is also by Iwatsuki. Yes, um, it is. And we could have done an episode on that game. I was very, very tempted, right? But you know, we found this, and it was like nobody talks about this game. So yeah, and when I talked to a lot of these uh, speedrunners, they were like, "Oh yeah, I'd never heard of this game," but they ended up really liking it. And there's some people that are still running it now, which is pretty cool. They're trying yeah. to get lower and lower times, which I think right now the current world record for this game is like. Uh, low 17 minutes which is wow. insane it's totally wow it nuts. took me like an hour and i had 20 minutes at least to, yeah. to make it all the way through it oh yeah and, and they, i was using save states at the end yeah and they're doing it with no save states no deaths um it's pretty nuts not gonna lie i i was like okay let's see how far i can get without save states i think i got to like level two uh level three maybe mm -hmm. and then it was like okay 
I need to give myself a little life insurance here because it's getting rough. Yeah. So if you guys want to see like what it looks like for someone to speed run this game, uh, you can go to speedruns.com and look this game up. And then there's videos that you can watch that people have submitted their times. And it's completely insane. The stuff that they do right. with the spear and quick kills and glitching and stuff like that is so cool. Yeah. I wonder how well this game was received in Japan. I don't I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, we both really ended up loving this game. Yeah. Deeply fell in love with it. And... um yeah, I just thought the the you know harpoon mechanics were really awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, just that the simple juggling of the money I thought was so cool. Yeah, like the little puppy enemies because in the very first level, in the very first one one, there's an auto scroller where you hop on the back of a truck, and cute little puppies jump down and they attack you. So like <laughs> like they don't look evil when they attack you. So you're like shooting all these cute puppies that keep jumping up, and there's just so many weird odd things. And since the game plays so well, like this is definitely a game that I want to at least figure out how to beat without save states right. and, you know, not dying, stuff like that. On a real cart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a real cart's really expensive. This, how much? I, didn't I think this up. game is, um, I've seen carts for like a hundred dollars. Jeez. Uh, so it's pretty, pretty pricey. So I won't be owning this game anytime <laughs> yeah. soon. Uh, but you know, that's what emulation is for. Yeah. Oh, well. Anyways, let's move on to our next track. This is the, the last stage again. This is stage five, three, and we will be right back. Stage five three composed by Hiroyuki Iwatsuki. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. It uh, it is a little bit more in the mid range. It's not quite happy and fun and chirpy, and it's not quite dangerous and dark and brooding. Right. So. It kind of plays it safe. Yeah. Um. I I would say this is probably my least favorite. It's still a cool track. It's almost like a Ninja Gaiden track, but like slowed down like four times the speed. Or yeah. Something like but that. listening to the the music right now just it brought me back to like that feeling of oh man i'm almost there i'm right. like i'm in the fifth world and I'm, I'm at the very end here and i just know there's just gonna be some gnarly bosses to get through but uh it was pretty exciting so even though the track is not the best one in the soundtrack it brought back good memories of knowing that i was about to beat the game oh yeah and don't get me wrong it's still a cool track mm-hmm. i i appreciate it i love the harmonies i do uh think that having the bass in tandem with the harmony and melody Probably that's what gives me the more simplistic vibe, mm-hmm. but 
it's still it's still a fun track and you're right it does kind of bring me back to that level i mean i just played it last night and, yeah <laughs> you know I, I was like oh yeah yeah this, all right because I, I know the soundtrack better than i know the game and yeah so hearing that i was like oh and i can see it in context okay i get it cool well i mean for me uh like i got pretty pretty used to the soundtrack watching all these speedrunners you know like arcus and Andy and stuff like that like right. practice this game over and over and over for I think I watched, you know, I tuned in here and there for like two weeks while they were practicing. So <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so it was kind of neat, especially where they're doing the safe state practice and stuff so that you'd hear the same thing over and over. And I was like, oh, that's what happens when I play it because I use safe <laughs> states. Too. But that's the only way I can beat it. Oh, you know, a lot of it's for our research, you know, it's yeah. not necessarily trying to give us the hardest challenge. We're trying to make it through from a uh, historical perspective. Yeah, I mean, and, I th- and I think if when we find games that we really like, then that's where we can say, okay, in my free time, I'm gonna try to get better at this game because right. I've really enjoyed what I've played so far. Yeah. All right, so I think it's about time we bring on Iwatsuki Son. I'm excited. Yeah, so am uh, I. Really looking forward to talking to him and share some of his insight with us. Yeah, I mean, when you told me he was going to be on the show, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm so excited, especially <laughs> because of some of the games that he's worked on. So Yeah, he's a, he's a legend, a Natsume legend. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, chat with him. Yeah, so today we are very fortunate to have Awatsuki-san joining us to expand on our information with his own experiences creating the music for this game. Awatsuki-san, we're very excited to talk to you. Thanks for joining the show. All right, so could you tell us about how you got into composing for Natsume? So, yeah. はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。は
経営するみたいな人たちがあの目に見えない形で仕事をしていてあのどういったでしょうねこうまあサークルというかあの本当にゲームの好きな人たちがゲームを作るために集まったっていうような環境で。The thing is, when I was hired, the office I worked at was solely a development department. For example, the actual business people in the company we never even saw. So for me, it was more like a circle or a club where game lovers got together to make games. All right, so we're going to listen to a few tracks with you while we have you on. Sound good? Hi, dozo. Okay, so this first one is the music that plays during the boss battles. Let's take a listen. Alright, that was the boss fight composed by Hiroyuki Iwatsuki for Mitsumega Toru. It's, this is a cool track. It's got a great pace. It's energetic. It ramps up and continues ramping up like further than I thought was even possible <laughs> when I was playing. And then it goes back down and hits that,、uh, that nice you know, build up again. You know,、yeah. It's like starts over. It's, it's a short track, it's a minute long, but、uh, the boss battle's short.、So、yeah, if you're doing it right,、works. it shouldn't be very long. Yeah. Uh, so, Iwatsuki san, could you tell us about this track? You know, it's funny, I didn't come up with many of the track names. It was probably just invented by people playing, so it's interesting for me to look back afterwards. であとあの曲に関してなんですけど、うん、多分この頃にはもうあの、えー、と例えばアクションゲームの道中というかボスに至るまでの曲っていうのとボスの曲っていうのの作り方みたいなのをある程度覚えてた頃だと思うんですね。But regarding this track, during this time, I was still learning the difference how to make it action game music that plays during a boss battle and music that plays for the path to actually get there. なので多分そのボスの曲の作り方っていう文法である程度このイメージを膨らませてるところの曲だと思いますね。そうですね確かこれはあのその実際にボスのシーンを見て作ったので多分あの最初の頃の、えー、とステージのボスを見て書いたんだと思うんですよね。So yeah. I must have written this after seeing the scene with the first boss. Oh, so to kind of just break away here for a second.、Uh, so you were able to see some of the images of the game before writing the music? Ah, so it was so. 
ですね。はい。あの、だから、画面を見せてもらうんですよね。あ,あ、そうですか。作る前とかに。なので、えー、と先に画面っていうか、まあ、あのゲームの方が出来上がってることがほとんどでしたので。ああ、なるほど。で、そこに音をつけていくっていう音をリクエストされる。Oh, yeah, they would show me the game in basically a pretty completed state and then put the request in for the music that they needed. その中で、まあ、あの盛り上がれる曲っていう感じで作ったと思います、多分。<笑> After seeing the game and knowing it had a pretty fun and bright atmosphere, I did try to add a little bit more edginess or seriousness to the boss fight track.I knew it wouldn't be a part that the player would be in for long, but even then I wanted it to still have this climax to the music, even though it's very short.So that kind of goes along with what we were saying too, you know, it、yeah. builds up and And you know, kind of ramps back down and then builds right back up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely in that short period of time, you had a lot of stuff going on in there, <laughs> right? So, for Mitsume Gatoru and all of your NES music, we believe you used a driver that was created by Iku Mizutani. Could you tell us about this driver and your process for writing music on the NES or Famicom? Hi, えー、とそこで使われたサウンドのドライバーを引き続き使っていくっていう形です。Well, when I started working at Natsume, we just started releasing NES games. But once we had this driver, it was the driver we continued using the entire time we worked on the platform. で、その当時で、まあ、あ,のあまりあの凝ったものじゃない基本的なものなんですけど、まあえー、と普通にゲームのサウンドを作るには十分な機能が入ってる。Mm. この時期はちょっと覚えてないんですけれども、あの例えば、えーと、エコーというか、あの音を響く部分っていうあの、曲に対するエフェクトみたいなのっていうのは、当初は実際にその音自体を打ち込んでたんですね。Now, I forget exactly when this was. At first, we actually had to type in code to create echo effects. But the more you have to type in, the bigger the memory footprint becomes. So, with this driver, there was actually a function to do automatic echoing, which gave the music a bit more of an expressive feeling. So, what the driver would actually do was it would grab the previously played note and insert its own echo where the music actually is in break or in a rest. This allowed us to keep the data smaller using less notes, which normally would have to be filled out during the rest, making the data much larger. So,、uh, let me break away from the interview and kind of explain this. So, what he's saying is normally in music, in a staff, if you play like a quarter note and you're not going to play until you know, the next. 
measure or the next bar, uh, you have to put in rests, right? right? But what he had to do with code is to make that echo. Originally, they had to like insert extra data right. to, to have like, you know, so it's like basically, you know, just complete, you know, no rest music. And what this driver would do is it actually read those rests and say, let me look back at the last played note and just play that in. So it would just have rest and it would just be a continuous rest for the echo effect. Right. So it's pretty cool. It's really convenient. You know, everyone uses a sequencer or a DAW uh, nowadays, but at that time, using the driver, everything had to be input with hexadecimal. まあ、えっと、音符は例えば00とか20とか41みたいな感じでこれ見って入れたりとか。あとはテンポとかそういうのをこう1バイト1バイトずつこう手で入力していく。そうですね。それをえっと、あの3音と1ノイズ分入力してい
no matter where you play, the music's always going to sound the same. Like the echo will always sound the same way it was intended. But like for the Super NES, it was all samples. So creating the echo with that was a total challenge. For example, I would have to start the echoed sample midway through the first. But PSG is the same everywhere in Hex. Everything has its place and it's easy to order. So even with my complaints about it, uh, that was really a positive thing now that I think about it. No, that's that's really cool to hear that the simplicity could help allow it to sound the same and that to a sound engineer has to be a great asset so that you know it's always going to play the way you intended it, whereas right. you don't want it to show up on someone else's and be like, that's not what it's supposed to sound like. Yeah, and I don't think he was trying to compare the Super NES with the NES. I think for simplicity reasons he is, but I think what he was explaining is that it just has a lot more you have to put a lot more effort into making the, the simple things work simply right. whereas the nes was just yeah it's all hex but it's always the same hex. you know what i mean it's it's always mm-hmm. zero one zero one for echo or whatever you know so uh that's you know it's kind of interesting anyways let's get into our next track this is the ending or the credits track composed by hiroyuki iwatsuki Thank you. 
just heard the ending or staff roll music composed by Hiroyuki Iwatsuki. I love this track. Yeah. It's so good. It's such a love song. Uh, yep. I, I really like the bass is like, ba 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 You know, it, after it starts, that beat kicks in. Mm-hmm. And it's really, uh, it takes time to get uh, going. It's a little bit, a little bit melancholy, like bittersweet. Uh, yeah, I caught, I caught that a little bit too. Yeah, but yeah, after it picks up, it almost has like this kind of slow, like a uh, Jackson 5 kind of vibe. <laughs> a I like bit. it. Yeah. yeah, there's a little bit of funk to it, but uh, I loved how it, it starts off so slow and lovely and really beautiful. And, and I like that when games do that sometimes because usually I'm drained after beating a boss. You know, the buildup to that boss is, is intense and it gets more and more intense. So then right away, you're just washed over with this something totally different. Well, it's interesting, right? Because like during a boss battle, I don't know about you, but I, my heart rate goes up. Oh, yeah. I, me too. Even if it's just slight, you know, it goes up. And then you hear this music when your heart rate is elevated and it kind of calms you down. I'm curious. I should watch like I have an Apple Watch. I should check my heart rate when the credits or staff roll starts yeah. playing and see it drop, you know, because that that's how I feel like I feel like at ease, like everything's kind of kind of comes back. And I, I listen to the whole track to kind of get me. It's it's almost like you do an exercise mm-hmm. and then you have a cool down period. And right. that's exactly how I like to experience the game. Yeah, and for me, you and I were both talking about one of our favorite parts of this track is those cascading notes. Yeah, and uh, I love I love that part so much. And then I love that you get a double dose of that right near the end. Yeah, it's just to me that was just like, oh man, I didn't expect that to you know I didn't expect that to be in there. And yeah. it's just such a great treat in, in a different key too. Yeah, uh, it's funny. I was listening to this on the way to work, and it was the last song before I got into work. And I have this little keyboard that I keep on my desk for you know stress relief. And uh, so I I like listen to this track over and over and try to learn how to play it. And mm-hmm. I was like, I, th- I sent you a video. Yeah, you did. <laughs> it was cheesy, but I liked it. So Awatsuki-san, you mentioned before recording with us that you were particularly fond of this track. Could you tell us why and a little bit about it? So, this is the game. Yeah, so this is the end of the game where the lead characters are walking home. Until this point, you've been fighting and battling the whole way through the game, so this is kind of like the bittersweet sound for the end of the title. Well, the player goes through all sorts of different challenges, so I guess I was just going for something like, you know, good job, now it's over. Yeah, (laughs) I thought this was a perfect ending, so great. I like how simple he keeps it, it's awesome. Alright, so you've composed music for several different licensed games, including the Power Rangers, Gundam, Meets Megatoru. What was your approach for writing music for an already successful manga or anime? そうですね。基本的にその原作があるものなので、えっと、原作のイメージをまずはゲームに落とし込もうとするので、えっと、まずげ、ま、原作を知らなければ知るところから始めて、えっと、原作を読んだり見たりして、えっと、内容を理解して
you know, basically I just read the manga, watched the anime to kind of understand the contents, then kind of made up my own image about what I felt about it. Then I combined that image with what I knew about the game and then began to write the music with those kind of combined thoughts. I'm not quite sure if that's the image the listener got, but that was my approach. アクションゲームが昔から作ってるので、えっと、アクションゲームらしさみたいなのがあるんですよね。ちょっとあの言葉では表すのは難しいんですけれども、そういうアクションゲームらしさっていうのはその原作のイメージをえっと残しつつえっ
And just for your reference, it was published by Natsume Inc. Abroad. So I hope you guys all check it out. えっと、シューティングゲームがあるんですね。えっと、中のえっと、バースっていうゲームをモチーフにした、えっと、ダウンロードコンテンツがありまして、そこにあの、バースのアレンジ曲を2曲担当しました。えっと、昔のそのアー
And if you're new to the podcast, make sure to check out some of our past episodes like Alicia Dragoon for the Sega Genesis. We did a few expansion packs that were really fun. And we even sat down with Tatsuya Uemura for his music and OutZone on the arcade. Yeah. You know, every new listener, it's their first episode. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening and supporting the show so far. We've got some great upcoming spotlights. I think we're due for a Pixelated Audio Music Disc yeah. Volume 2. I'm excited to uh, get yeah. more of those under our belt. Yeah, so that'll be coming out shortly. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you in a few weeks for the next episode. <笑><笑>ありがとうございます。